Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Outkick 360 and the Tennessee Power Hour is here. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. The crew all here as well with Lance Lee, Jacob Swanson, David Reed, Becca Risley, Sleepy Danny, and the, the cast at Outkick. We appreciate everybody for making the show happen on a daily basis. The Titans uh, improve in some areas with their depth. We haven't talked a lot about the individual draft picks this week because of everything going on with Rashad Weaver and what the Titans should or should not have uh, been expected to know with the, the, the simple assault charge stemming from a case that happened a couple of weeks ago and the news coming out earlier this week. Um, but, Paul, as far as defensive back depth, that has greatly improved. Uh, if Weaver is expect, he's expected to be a, a big part of this team, they have improved in their pass rush depth. Uh, offensive line depth has improved at right tackle. So we'll, we'll get to some areas that continue to be some, some points of emphasis for this roster as we move forward to training camp. But the Titans at those three specific areas got a lot better. Secondary, for sure, a lot better. I mean, presuming Caleb Farley is healthy and out there, and he's going to be at, at some point and at least for some time, um, you know, he's a different brand of cornerback than they've had. You know, it's got Malcolm Butler's mentality, but more physical gifts than Malcolm Butler. You know, he probably doesn't have quite Adoree's speed, Adoree Jackson's speed, but he's got better ball sense than yeah. Adoree Jackson. You know, you could go on and on comparing him to cornerbacks that have come through here lately. He should be better than all of them if he pans out and is what he appears to be. Um, <clears throat> same in terms of a dedicated slot guy in Elijah Molden, um, who's got a real knack for some of the duties of slot. May not match up against some of the big slots. I don't know if you want him matched up against Travis Kelsey, per se, but against the Tyreek Hill, you know, that, that, that's the kind of guy that you probably want in there, uh, maybe with a little help over the top, which anybody's going to want against Tyreek Hill based on the speed. So you got to feel a lot better about the secondary with Janoris Jenkins, also a real tone-setting type of guy in terms of his personality outside of his willingness to step up and, and man somebody. Mm -hmm. Now, are these coaches going to ask these guys to get up on people? They have the talent now in these guys to get up on people. Now, if fans are asking why are they eight yards off on third and six, I think it's a very fair complaint. I mean, we know why guys weren't up on people on third and six before. It's because they're damn scared of getting beat over the top. Well, these guys shouldn't collectively be as scared of getting beat over the top because they have speed uh, generally as a group to make up, right? They can play their man coverage the, the way that I think the, the outside perception is whenever you say man cover corner, they have the personnel – with yes, their top yes, three, yes, and yes. top four, four to four. be able to do it. 
they went from it being an utter disaster wasteland of a secondary to, to me, having extremely high uh, ceiling yeah. with this secondary, with, with who they're bringing in, right? I mean, I, I look at Farley and Molden and Christian Fulton and Kevin Byard and every part of that secondary and think, this is a secondary that could be great eventually if, big if, if everyone hits on the talent that you think they possess. But that secondary is not going to improve to any great extent if they don't get to the, pa- the, the passer better. So it all ties into each other. The inability to address pass rush in this draft and the guy that you brought in to address pass rush in the draft facing this charge now in Rashad Weaver, it all sort of feeds each other. So I look at that and think, are they going after someone in the free agent market that's out there with a veteran pass rusher? How are they going to help themselves there? Can they even do that? Because while I agree with you guys, I think the ceiling's very high with this secondary. I don't know that they've done enough right now to address pass rush to where I think it's really going to help the secondary. And the primary need, I would argue, in terms of uh, the secondary free agent market now, as big a need as pass rusher is, uh, you know, you, uh, they're certainly hoping that Weaver is around and able to take some snaps off of Landry and Dupree's plates, is really receiver. Um, because, uh, you know, it's hard to count on, on much from Fitzpatrick as a fourth-round pick. If you look at that depth chart, A.J. Brown, we're saying, is going to get a ton of defensive attention, and there's a drop-off from he to Josh Reynolds, who a lot of people see really is much more of a third or fourth than a second or third. You need to slot somebody in there that's going to be a help to you on opening day. That's less addressed than the third pass rusher. And we know that they're, they, they've talked about, you know, their willingness to play their best guys. If Dupree is recovered and ready to go, if Landry's ready to go, they could play these guys 90% of the snaps, though that's not the best case scenario. Then you've got Autry and Simmons. That front four is much improved, though the depth is very poor, both on the defensive line and that outside linebacker especially if Weaver is, is somehow less of a factor than they intended for him to be based on the legal stuff. Well, they're, they're not done at receiver. Can't you know, be. I, I was saying that they're not done in the secondary whenever everyone was trying to act like Kevin Johnson was some starter in the slot. Um, they are not done at receiver, and they can't be done at tight end, and that can be combined into one player. But they, looking at the depth chart right now, Paul's right. It's not just going to be they're going to focus on A.J. Brown to begin. They're going to tell Todd Downing, we're going to double A.J. Brown. We're going to make his life a living hell. And while he's going to be able to make some plays because he's just that good, who else is going to step up and take some pressure off of the double team that A.J. Brown is now going to receive down in and down out on passing situations when they're not handing the ball to Derrick Henry? Well, then I'll throw it out there. Is that guy Julio Jones? Are the Titans a team that's interested in trading for Julio Jones? They need to be. Because that makes a lot of sense to me right now. With with their lack of players at receiver, I I would be in the market. Paul, whenever Robinson was asked about Julio Jones and he no commented, what did you think immediately? Well, he's he's not going to comment. I knew he wasn't going to comment when I asked the question. I just kind of wanted to see how he no commented. I said, you know, I'm not going to talk about players not on the roster. Um, So... There was no no hint there, um, but certainly 
there are players who could be traded for Julio Jones would be at the top of that list, though he's also at the most expensive end of that list, and they've got financial constraints. You know, but there are other guys, too. Uh, uh, there's somebody on the Jets that I'm not thinking of right off the top of my head who becomes a little bit more expended, uh, expendable. Is it Jamison Crowder I'm thinking of with Elijah Molden drafted yep. and Corey Davis signed? Jamison Crowder, to me, would be a guy who fits in that second, third. You know, yeah, if, they... if Josh Reynolds is playing to what they expect, Jamison Crowder wouldn't be a bad guy to have in the mix there that gives me – a better feeling of security for them there. Not not ideal, but better than what they have, absolutely. He's been a productive guy. I think he's had a couple 800-yard seasons, maybe more than that. I'm going to look. But uh, there are some people like that out there who are uh, could be available. And, you know, whenever you see – I saw the, the report yesterday of Fred Jones being signed, who's a former practice squad type player, special team, or whenever he's been on active rosters with the Denver Broncos, among other teams. I mean, th these are guys that are coming in to get training camp reps f for an opportunity to be in the practice squad rotation slash uh, special teams active player. Uh, when, it, when I say they're not done at receiver, I'm not referring to the Fred Joneses no. of the world. They need a second or third receiver until you have the ability for your rookie receivers in this class to step forward. And it's just, it's it's not un, uh, unheard of, it's just uncommon that a fourth round, fifth round, sixth round, seventh round receiver, Paul, steps in and becomes a true number two or number three wideout in his rookie season. Jamison Crowder's got a $10 million base salary in 2021, the final year of his contract. So that's a little alarming. Twice he's had 800 yards. Um, Last year, 59 for 699 and six touchdowns. I'd take that. The year before, 78, 833, and six. Those are the kind of numbers, you know, the a Titans lot of bad team could use. Also. Well, but it's a, a much better offense he'd be a part of. It's here. also yeah. worth asking the question what's more important to what to, to the fabric of who they are at their core? Is it another wide receiver like Crowder or Julio Jones, or is it adding another tight end? that it's more than just a downhill blocker um, that, that gives you some versatility and maybe a, a, a type of player that is a starter for you. I'm going to say both. Uh, but I'd take Michael Pruitt. I, I mean, I think if you rolled through Michael Pruitt, Anthony Ferkser, and Jeff Swain, you could, you could sur survive with that. I'm surprised that, that they've not – I mean, is Michael Pruitt asking for some un uh, unreasonable money? No. So they're, they're not interested, it seems to me, which suggests that one of two extremes, either they've got plans to really do something or they're satisfied with this list of guys and they think somebody like Parker Hesse or Tommy Hudson is going to really emerge. I'm scared by that second well, And John, John Robinson said that he mentioned Michael Pruitt as an mm. option, that he, he did nothing in his time with, with the Titans to suggest that they would not consider re-signing him and that, that he would be an option. But they're leaving that, that they're leaving that on the back burner suggests to me they're considering something else first, right? Otherwise they'd be here already. It's not that there's a ticking clock, but what if somebody else comes in and, and takes him? I think he checked out Minnesota was the one I think that's right. One yeah. place that he's had a conversation. When you mentioned what's more important the fabric of who they are as an offense, uh, another wide receiver helping out there or tight end. And 
I have to come back and ask the question, what are they under Todd Downing? That's a very good question. Because Todd Downing, yes, he worked under Arthur Smith. And he's a tight end coach. You think that it's going to be more of the same, but you know, we sort of thought the same. I don't know that we thought the same about Dean Pease, but maybe, maybe we overestimated the ability of the Titans and Mike Vrabel of having some grand scheme, plan, ethos on defense to sustain when it. Dean Pease left where it was just going to continue trucking right along and they were going to be the same defense. We may be doing the same thing with Arthur Smith in his departure because I know what Arthur Smith can do and what he wants to do. We don't yet know what Todd Downing is going to be. I know what he needs to be. The difference is Dean Pease was manufacturing pass rush. Yes. Todd Downing can turn around and hand the football to 22, and they can be a run-oriented offense that's based on play action. That's what they need to be. Uh, Now, he's going to have to add some wrinkles to that because, again, Without Corey Davis and John U. Smith, if I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm loading up to stop the run and I'm doubling A.J. Brown. That's and then the, all these other the guys, and that's what they are, just, just guys, are going to have to beat me. And the, uh, Downing's going to have to come up with wrinkles to manufacture that type of production because he doesn't have Corey Davis and, and John Smith. And that's a jet sweep to Cam Batson. That's uh, can somebody, oh, uh, you know, on. take. I want to see much more of that. No, yeah. but I, I mean, I'm honestly, saying that those are the wrinkles well, yeah, that he's talking about with who they have or, right or, now. Or it's a roster wrinkle with a trade for Julio Jones. Agreed. Uh, Jamison Crowder, who you right. brought up. Or, Hurst. or you're relying on uh, Des Fitzpatrick to step up and be a, an A.J. Brown type surprise in year one. Not to that level. But to be a guy that could be do a lot more than you think. Yeah, that's gonna uh, that's gonna pleasantly that. surprise you with him as a, a threat. But right now you're counting on several of those. You're counting on Parker Hesse or Tommy Hudson and Des Fitzpatrick and Nick Westbrook Aquina. That's a lot of bets on a lot of guys who you know. If one guy emerges as a surprise, you take that as gravy. But you still need other people on the roster. One thing, Hut, though, is, and you're talking about. At which I totally agree with you. Whoever this is, the additional receiver, tight end, or hopefully both, they're going to block well. Sure. Yeah. And th- that was the value of the two guys that they don't have right now. The, the versatility of Davis and, and Smith. Yeah. And does that take a 60-yard Derrick Henry run and turn it into a 15-yard Der- or a 20-yard Derrick Henry run because you don't have the second-level block from a Corey Davis or even the you know block inside ten yards from Johnny Smith. Well, and about it was high quality. It wasn't fifty-fifty. It was close to fifty-fifty yards before and after contact for Derrick Henry last year in his two thousand-yard season. Uh, he did that with third-string offensive linemen blocking for him. So, and I'm, I'm not I'm not as overly concerned about the blocking end of things as I am the chain movers, right? Um, you know, at, at, they also lose Adam Humphreys. I, I hear that a lot in the discussion of what this team doesn't have anymore. Adam Humphreys barely saw the field this time here. Now, when he was healthy and he was playing in the slot, he was very productive. Nice, very nice piece he was in productive. terms of getting just the throw to the sticks also, once in a while to sustain a drive. Also, it, it, very easily replaced that production. I mean, that's not a knock on him. That's just his unfortunate health history. Easily, easily replaced. Well, I, I get what you're saying. But having that knack for the sticks like he did mm-hmm. is, you know, I need to see that they have a guy that has that knack for the sticks because, uh, you know, I don't know who it is right now. Who's the guy, you know, Cam, I like Cam Batson as a small role player, but does he have that ability to, like, get into a spot and sit and know that his backside is right at the marker? Right. There's a skill to that. 
Yes. You know, Adam Humphreys definitely had it. Like you said, he wasn't out there enough. But in a couple games where we had him, we came in the next day and said, Adam Humphreys was key in that game on those three first downs that sustained drives. Do they have a guy like that right now? We, we, there's a lot that we don't know. Well, about Riddles a had a high guys. percentage of his catches go for first downs. Right. So he just it's in a different, very different, different kind manner. Of way. You know, yeah. it's not in that slot role where he's turning around and sitting down more, as much as it was over the shoulder. Yeah, which is fine. I, I mean, I like uh, sure. over the shoulder catch has a lot more potential for yards after the catch. But at certain moments, you want to be able to just make sure you're getting the six yards when you need the six yards. And, and we should also say this is it's not like the Tennessee Titans have Jacksonville's salary cap space right now as we as we leave the draft. To make these additions, they will have to make some, some – they'll have to lose some guys, well, right? Well, they can still How just do they make restruct- up? structure Tannehill. It would free up, you know, Well, there's a great 20. answer. So they can still restructure the contract as they need it and save a, a space now – and push it to the bigger cap year next year? Is that the idea? Well, push it for the remainder of Tannehill's career. And there's no reason not to expect that Tannehill is good. It's not a long time. What's Tannehill signed through 2023, maybe 2024? It's a four-year deal. He's so, lined up with Henry, right? Yeah. So it's only two or three more years. Um, push that money out. You know, next year is a little bit more of a burden, yes. After that, the cap's going up. So it shouldn't be that big of a factor. And you're going to need some more money if you're doing something like Julio Jones or trading for one of uh, one of these other guys. And just to, to also just tie a bow on the, the cap discussion, it's the top 51 players on the roster right now. Once they get to training camp in the, in the what is it, September the 3rd? Yeah, once you day. get to your 53-man you, roster, then, then, then those it's a hard salary count. cap where your draft, your, your practice squad, all those salaries come into effect. And you start making some true business decisions on your on your cuts. But the practice right now it's count. your top fifty one salaries. And then it goes to fifty three on yeah. cut down day. But right. right now top fifty one. So and that's not quite as bad as it sounds. I mean, if you're adding Julio Jones, that's obviously big. But Julio Jones comes into the fifty one and the cheapest guy in the fifty one comes out. out. So, you know, that's probably eight hundred thousand dollars there. So you would subtract that from what Julio Jones is 2021 number is so you don't absorb the whole thing you absorb it minus the 800,000 Tennessee Vols discussion how Tennessee is trying to prolong something to shorten something I'll explain when we come back this is Outkick 360 Live from Studio G, Nashville, Tennessee, Outkick 360, live from Blackbird Studio in the Blackbird Academy, and glad you're watching live on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Rumble, wherever it might be across the platforms of the Outkick Network. And if you're listening on podcasts, we hope you'll subscribe, rate, and review. Also, subscribe on YouTube, and we hope that you'll ring that bell to alert you every time we go live each and every day at noon Eastern. Talking Tennessee Volunteers, this segment on the Tennessee Power Hour. Also, shout out to Fox Sports Knoxville and Fan Run Radio there as we discuss the Big Orange. We uh, we love our partners in Knoxville. Hutton, you always say it. You always remember your first. Our first radio affiliate, Fox Sports Knoxville. Big thanks to them. Had a great event with them before the Orange and White game. Love being on in Knoxville. And Paul, every t- or, sorry, Hutton, every time you say ring that bell, 
You ring that uh, bell. I'm gonna I'm gonna mention a movie that Paul's gonna claim is a bad movie. My <laughs> bad movie reference today. I, I the smile we, comes to my face. Guess? A smile comes to my face. <laughs> I mean, no, he's so not mad. gonna guess this. <laughs> David Reed back there would guess this movie. It's a James Caan movie. Okay. But every he's time I hear ring that bell, I think about a 1993 classic, <laughs> The Program. <laughs> With Omar Epps as the oh, running yeah. back. Oh, yeah. With uh, Latimer, the roided-out defensive lineman. And if you recall, Latimer, on the, the peak of his steroid climax, he's got the skull. Remember, he's got his face painted like a skull. And James Kahn is giving the, the pump-up speech before the game. He's going about and slapping shoulder pads. And he says, we're going we're gonna to ring that bell. We're going to ring that championship bell. To which Steve Latimer turns and says, Ding, mother bleeping dong, <laughs> and the whole the whole locker room goes nuts. So every All time you thoughts. say "ring that bell," I know that we're on radio in Knoxville. I can't say it. If this was online only, I would say the full quote. But I think of Latimer yelling, "Ding, mother bleeping dong," <laughs> at the top of his lungs, then the locker room going nuts. I'll tell you my thoughts about the film. I watched it once. Only I once. didn't. I didn't memorize it. I don't. I don't go well. back to the spank bank on it like he does, where where it's a big deal to me, like with most films. Well, you're but Chad just he, he, he sees a, a film, film with a pretty girl and a sports theme, and he runs it on a loop. How many times you watch it annually? I watched a lot as a Dad, child. Move on. I watched a lot. Move as a on. Kid. Watch a film and then move on. I, I mean, I, honestly, I would watch it Jacob. Simply, simply because it's rated R. That's why I wanted to watch Jacob, it. Jacob, your thoughts. I just wanted to say I think Steroid Climax is the new Outkick 360 band. <laughs> <laughs> so we're trying to come up climax. with a band for Jacob and That's Lance. That's a good name, Steroid Climax. If you're hearing this music in the breaks now, this is actually their creation. We have a house band. So we're trying to come up with a name for the, the house band. So write that one down, Jacob, as a possibility. Steroid Climax. Write that in the book I didn't give you. The Plagiarist. Was another one that we came up with before oh, the show. Oh, I like that. We need to get a good set of four or five band Surely names. Surely the plagiarist and just have our have our viewers and listeners vote on. I don't trust them to vote correctly. The plagiarist <laughs> surely well, we has to pick. be taken. We could just say I the know, thing. We'll we could do the thing where it's like, "Hey, your suggestion really matters." Like, like Titans fans, <laughs> we're really going to listen to like our viewers Titans on this fans one. Pick the play. Uh, yeah, the, the PA, PA announcer. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure the Titans fans really chose that PA guy. <laughs> um, yeah. Hey, trust me. Can this camera come on me right now? We promise, viewers, you're going to pick the band name. We promise. We promise that we're going to let you pick it. But well, really, we're going to pick it. So we, we have Jacob's real band, Dad's Acid, linked on our link tree right now at the top of our Twitter page where you can find all of our shows. People ask, what, where can we find you on podcasts? They're all linked. Uh, every single one of the podcast outlets, all linked there, as well as underneath House Bands. We have Dad's Acid linked for you where you can go. I think it's five five tracks? Four. Four. Four whole tracks. Four. Four tracks uh, where you can listen. I made Claire listen to one of them last night, yeah, actually. How'd she like it? Was she it the 50-minute song? She loved it. It was not the 63-minute song. This was the, I think it was like four minutes. Uh, it was track number three, I believe, Jacob. Now, you can may, we talk about this band name for a than, moment? Better yeah, than I sure. on that name. I, uh, I also uh, want to defend uh, myself uh, against your accusations when you're uh, done. I don't, no, we're done with that conversation. Yeah. I don't want to make a... Uh, a, a Light of uh, acid at all, based on the crime that my family suffered from an acid-induced naked gentleman. But Dad's Acid is a clever name in that you know, if you were to take Dad's acid, can can Dad? I mean, if you were to steal some of Dad's acid and then imbibe it, could could Dad say something to you? 
because then dad's acknowledging that he has illicit drugs. <laughs> so he's going to condemn you for using illicit drugs when you're taking them from him. Kind of like finding your dad's Playboy collection. Right. Can the What's dad, dad get mad say? at you for looking at the Playboy collection? Right. And, and Playboy I'm collection? sure this is the dilemma that you were addressing in choosing this name. Um, what, what would you do if you were in this scenario as a son or as a father? I'm tweeting out a poll question right now. Is the program uh, I, a great I poll? think there's validity in that. <laughs> <laughs> You're bringing up really hardcore memories right. for Jacob Swanson right now. <laughs> I feel like we really touched a nerve and there. future with, uh, issues, like as he contemplates having a child. Yes, yeah, like, I don't know if I want to get into that. <laughs> so, Chad. He's going to have a really strong lockbox. That's what he's going to have. Is the program a great film, yes or no? Is <laughs> our latest poll question. Yeah. No. Um, the real, balls, real quick, though, what Paul's yes. saying about me watching the movies over and over, I've really not watched a movie more than once since college. Like, yeah, I probably stopped doing this False. in college. False. Every movie that I can quote like that, they're all from the 80s and 90s. It was me as a kid. So this was a time when the selection of entertainment was very small. So if I had a VHS of something, I'm watching Karate Kid over and over. I'm watching the program over and over. I'm watching Blue Chips over and over, all these sports movies that you talk about. So I have committed them to memory, but every movie I've watched in the last 17 years, I've probably seen three movies more than once that I could actually give you some, some quotes on. Right, so Blue Chips is a good clarify, reference. You're, you're going to tell right. me Blue Chips is an excellent You're film? right, and then I have watched a lot of movies a lot, but that was more of my childhood, pubescent period but see, of watching I think movies. That you cr- here's where you blur the line. You blur the line between an excellent experience with your boys re-watching the same film and having fun because you guys know the lines and get riled up about it and calling it a good film as if it's like good cinematically good a good piece of art. It's good art. I could argue uh, for days that like, the program and Blue Chips, both great films. Like Fletch is a Very great well film, but it's not a great film. I know the difference. Very well acted. I think Blue Chips... Um, from the Nick Nolte standpoint, probably the best acted. I don't know that James Caan has a big enough part in the program to say it's a great actor doing great things. Shaquille O'Neal in it. He can't act. Yeah, the Shaquille O'Neal part was, uh, well, I'll tell you who can't act is Penny Hardaway. That's the one who can't act. Shaquille O'Neal's a, 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 Shaquille O'Neal is Pacino compared to <laughs> Penny Hardaway in this movie. You go back and watch uh, Pacino it. Pacino can anyone. no longer act. Yeah. That's hoo-ha! <laughs> so hoo-ha. Okay, we're going to the Vols, right? You didn't yeah. like Pacino in The Irishman? No, uh, he was better in The Irishman. But he's become a character of himself in the last He's in a new movie, too. I, saw, and I don't know much about it. Uh, right, you set up a great premise yes. on The Vols, and we Tennessee had a Vols. great sidetrack. After this Vols. break. No. <laughs> They're prolonging something in order to yeah. forestall something. shorten something else. I do like the idea that we just set something up and never get to it, though, also, and continue talking about blue chips. ever So piece. we talked about Danny White and his comments to VolQuest and Brent Hubbs and interviews he's done. Yes. In the interview with Brent Hubbs and VolQuest, Danny White discussed the ongoing investigation. That they've not completed their own internal it's investigation. Like it just goes on and on. Well, they've they've not. Oh, I see where he's going. With so this. they've not completed their own internal investigation. They're still doing interviews. They're still talking to people. They're they're doing all of this. Tennessee fans hear that and they probably think, "What in the hell is going on? Can we not wrap this thing up in a timely manner?" But I immediately think the NCAA's in on these meetings. They've already invited them in. This is an effort to show that you're doing everything possible to shorten this whole thing because what would have happened if you turned all of your evidence over that you found and you didn't include the NCAA, you're going to turn all the interviews, everything you found, all the documents, all of it, 
NCAA will then take two to three years to come up with something. So that would add two to three years of you recruiting with a cloud over your head. And other coaches saying, you're going to get a three-year bowl ban. When this comes down, it's going to happen. I think what Tennessee's doing is actually very smart in that they are showing that they are going above and beyond, and they're going to make this thing go as long as possible. So by the end of the summer, them and the NCAA can come up with a solution. They're going to say, we are going to say a one-year postseason ban, whatever it may be, scholarship reduction, visit reduction, recruiting reduction in football, all of this. And the NCAA, you are going to agree to it, and we're done. Prolonging One, their personal decision. Pull that Band-Aid off all at once. So that the NCAA shortens their punishment. By game yes. one. Here's what I'm expecting. Yes. I'm going to go out on a limb with this. By game one of the 2021 season, you will know Tennessee's punishment. It's done. Right, the NCAA gonna... is done. They've, they've approved Tennessee's self-imposement, whatever it is. Yep. Whatever they self-impose, the NCAA, they're right there holding Tennessee's hand the whole way. And Tennessee's lockstep holding their hand. They're both going to agree on the punishment. It's going to be done by the start of the season. Tennessee will then be able to move forward, bring in recruits, even with restrictions, and start to sell, hey, when you get here, there's no bowl ban. This year's going to be the bowl ban. I think that's going to happen. But this year's our bowl ban. We've already got everything done. NCAA's out of here. Let's go to work. This makes sense, and I, I would think that you're probably right. I'll devil's advocate it. Is there any way the NCAA's, NCAA is looking at it and saying, well, we're not even really going to start until you're finished? <laughs> well, if that's the case, and, and, and <laughs> in I, which case they're blowing this it, goes back, they should have wrapped it months ago. Right this now. goes back to the genesis of all of this. Like, blow up the NCAA if they, if they right. say that. I don't know why anyone would ever cooperate with them. This is an excellent case study for everyone out there. Tennessee tried to follow the playbook of a case study with Kansas in turning over violations to get out of a buyout. It didn't work for Kansas. At all. not going to work for Tennessee. They're going to owe Jeremy Pruitt the buyout. That part of it's a failure. This part of it may not be a failure. If, because they brought in the NCAA, if they come to the same conclusion at the same time, then maybe they can come up to a resolution at that time and not prolong it. But, Paul, to your point, if the NCAA comes back and says, no, we haven't even started yet, well, I know that we've been there for every interview and we've asked our questions, but <laughs> now we've got to now send this to our council and look it over, and it's, you're going to go through the same process as everyone else. Then no one should ever do it. Tennessee's then do again. Then There's turn into There's zero LSU. reason to include them on anything, if that's going to be the case. Well, you know, there, there, there are so many instances, aren't there, of those who say, just deny, deny, deny. And eventually, they'll move on to the next university. They'll move on to the next coach or the next violation. Well, that's kind of how it works for LSU so and far, Arizona, right? So far. But, but you the, don't want to be grouped with those schools. But the difference is that's a, that's a true FBI investigation that right. the NCAA is also involved with. Um, but, you know, the, the running joke is, oh, they, they hate LSU so much that they're going to punish the University of Louisiana. <laughs> they're going to really crack yeah. down on the raging Cajuns. This is Tennessee. Chad's, this is Tennessee and Chad's theory, side by side with the NCAA going through everything. And if they come over the top with a a, a, a ban, what what would be an excessive? Anything more than a year? I think anything more than a year. I think two years is pretty extreme, but it could happen. But I mean, the the coach is claiming three years. I mean, give me a break. Yeah, the, the you look at some of the scandals around college football. We're talking about you know, uh, recruits and players' families getting a hotel stay 
when they come up to watch a game with Tennessee, uh, and is if, the extent of what I'm hearing. So, and if on the on the be opposite end, if it's considered a victory to just accept whatever Tennessee comes up with as the self-imposed, you know, the, the the punishment, and the NCAA agrees with that, well, then it's, that's a victory for the Vols for taking as long as they have throughout this process. Wouldn't that be very interesting if you're Tennessee? You say, all right, we're going to suggest. This is this far enough? Well, Maybe we should add. Well, I guess, I mean, what, I, I guess what I'm getting at is this. Here's quick. what I could argue: Tennessee's if, already suffered enough with what they've done with all of this. Well, Tennessee lost Penn State with the Sandusky uh, scandal. They lost half the amount of players on their roster that Tennessee lost this past offseason. Tennessee doubled attrition with players transferring out. One thing about Jeremy Pruitt: players loved him, and those guys showed it by once he was gone, they left. Eric Gray is the number one transfer in America. The Athletic had a story about the top ten transfers. He is going to be a Heisman Trophy candidate at Oklahoma, at Oklahoma. in year one in that Lincoln-Riley offense. They lost their left tackle to Oklahoma also. They lost their star freshman defensive back in Key Lawrence to Oklahoma. I'm talking about one team getting three of the top 50 transfers in America. That's not to count the other players that left. Tennessee blew up their own program. I don't know why the NCAA, unless it's just complete bloodlust, well, would want to come in and do too much after that. But uh, but if on the low end, if it's considered a win, that it's a one-year bowl ban, and that's self-imposed, Tennessee football, which is what matters right here, right now, what we're talking about for the athletic program, getting that back on track. Heupel's already landed a four-star quarterback that he wanted pretty early on. And if the if on the low end you're thinking, you know what, a win is going to be a one-year bowl ban, we're going to self-impose that anyway, what difference does it make if you announce that now or if you announce that in August? It really doesn't because you're not going to the postseason anyway. And if you accept that behind the scenes that you're not going anyway and recruiting is still on track, everything's okay. You can allow this process to take its time and take its course. I think a best-case scenario for Tennessee this year, going into it with the plan that they've laid out and what they're trying to do with the NCAA, Show that the program is fun again. Show that there's an offense that's exciting to watch, that players are enjoying it. Win-loss record doesn't matter as much. You don't want to go, you know, win two <laughs> or three games, obviously. But I, anything extreme, yeah, anything extreme. Uh, yeah. More about entertaining yeah. and more about being done with the NCAA. The biggest <laughs> win is that whatever happens this year, they're not going into the class of 2022 into living rooms across the state of Tennessee and across the country, having to answer questions about what the NCAA is going to do. That part needs to be done as they recruit next year. They need to show recruits that it's going to be fun and you're going to score points and that the NCAA is out of our campus. And then That's if, what they need to show more than anything else. And then if you have that offense to dangle, you should be able to recruit defense saying, look, you could come finish this so. thing up. I mean, it's what... Complete me. Um, Complete me. You just, just get some stops. I mean, it's not... <laughs> you don't have to be record-breaking on defense. You're not going to be with an offense that plays that fast. Hit us up on Twitter, at Outkick360. That's how you can chime in and join the show. Uh, coming up, we hit some more headlines locally, including the Preds, who can clinch a playoff spot. Dallas with a loss, Preds with a win. They're going to the postseason, guaranteed. That's straight ahead on Outkick360. Hang with us. Outkick 360 and the Tennessee Power Hour is here. Glad you're with us. Crew is all here as we wrap up the hour. Preds in action tonight against Columbus, one of the worst teams in the league. And with a win, they could go to the postseason. Dallas 
Uh, they're having to play tonight, and they've got a tough schedule to, to finish the season this week. Preds are in right, right there in the driver's seat, as we've known, because they won the head-to-head matchup at overtime on Saturday night against the Stars. But now, with a win and then a Stars loss, Nashville Predators can be in the postseason officially. Pretty which crazy. Is, which is big for the organization. You mentioned it, Hutton. Uh, financially, to get those games is big. To get that share of the, of the playoff a share with the NHL is going to be big. And uh, it is nuts that before Saturday night, it was almost felt like a do-or-die game against Dallas. This could have completely shifted with a Dallas win. Now yeah. you're looking at it and thinking this thing may be over with games to play. They it was Also crazy to consider. So the Preds will return home to face Carolina for two games. And so they have the Hurricanes, or excuse me, the Hurricanes coming in on the 8th, I believe. So you have the Hurricanes coming in where we could see, as we look ahead, we could see the Preds playing the Hurricanes for nine straight games. It's possible with a seven-game series to start based on where they finish their season. I think we could also see on Saturday night a momentous occasion for Nashville. If this thing's sewn up, could it be Pecorine's final start for the Nashville Predators. Yeah, I think that's that's a possibility. Yes. I, I've been I've been fascinated and you know, David Reed, a, a season ticket holder, I could speak more to this, but to see the fan reaction to it and the division of what is owed to Pecorine, because there's a lot of fans who are who are saying, you can't just start Soros from here on out. You gotta give the guy a chance to do something. Oh, you can just. I mean, in and the then, meaningful games, you absolutely can well, just. Well, and then start yeah, and other fans right are saying it's not. This isn't little league. You know, you don't owe it to the guy to play him if the other guy's playing better. And you the give organization Saturday night as a farewell isn't thinking about that. That's what can, you give absolutely. Them. Well, yeah. the, but you, you do that if you win tonight huh. and Dallas yeah. loses, then yeah. you can you can yeah. I mean, that's here's why you play Soros as long as the games matter. Here here are his numbers, which have just been outstanding. The Preds put this on the broadcast the other night. Um, 14 career shutouts through this three shutouts since March 23rd, which you can see the numbers on the right, second in the NHL, leads the NHL in save percentage over his last 23 games. And keep in mind that includes a game where he allowed six goals. I say he allowed. It wasn't on him. They allowed. If you watch the game, they allowed seven. They allowed six with him and Nett and the seventh with no goals. Leads the NHL, and that's with – some football-like scores and, and not being his fault. That's how great he's been playing. And that's why there's true reason for optimism for this team as they continue to pick up the pace uh, at the right time. They, I, and I realize, that look, they led 3 nothing the other night. They gave up that lead, still came back to win and got the victory. Um, and meanwhile, Dallas loses. So they, they avoid that collapse and it's now propelled them to a situation where they could be headed to the postseason after what looked like an utter disaster whenever we got to the start of the new year. While I'm not a believer in them winning a playoff series against Carolina, for instance, it only takes one or two, one nothing, two to one games where your goalie carries you to completely flip a series. Well, if they win, so it is conceivable that. Him. Soros could carry them to something that no one is expecting right now. Yeah, if they win, they're going to win because of him. Yeah. Uh, well, they finally have Forsberg back. You know, that's good to see. So yeah. uh, we'll, we'll be paying attention to the Preds uh, tonight. 
Um, as we wrap up, the, the story that I'm sure Clay will be discussing uh, and the story that we'll likely lead with tomorrow, uh, Aaron Rodgers, in the report from Bob McGinn about the Jerry Krause comparison to the uh, the, the uh, Packers general manager, and he said Preds, the Packers general manager, and him sending out comp- you know, pictures of Jerry Krause comparing the two. There's also a report out, and they're discussing this on NFL Network, on how he has been derailing and undermining potential free agent signings, not just this year, but in past years, telling free agents that he's likely not going to be with the team in 2021. But this year and previous years? The, The way I read it, prospective free agents for quite some time. That, that's how Garofalo puts this out there. And if then, this includes previous years, he's undermined himself, which uh, is ridiculous. Aaron Rodgers has been derailing and undermining the Packers' season, so potential free agents wouldn't want to sign. And it says that he has been telling free agents for quite some time he wasn't expected to be back in Green Bay in 2021. Well, I'd to like to know what quite some time means. Yeah, if that extends back to last year, it makes no sense. And he screwed himself out of a potential championship in 2020. If he knows he's not coming back this year and it was this just since the end of the regular season thing. or the playoffs to now, that's different. But if uh, last if year he was telling people he wouldn't be here this year, he killed him. He shot my, himself My opinion of this situation changes greatly if this has happened more than one offseason. So you're right. Uh, quite some time could mean uh, pr- just this, prior to the draft. This entire offseason. Prior to the draft. Or it could mean last year he was telling people it, it, he wouldn't also, be here beyond. This is my final year in Green year. Bay. It also means what I've said from the beginning. He's going he's gonna to walk. I believe that he is being completely uh, – I mean, he hasn't said this publicly, but with the reports, I think he believes he will not play and retire if the Packers don't deal him. I think that would show that if he's telling – Free agents, I'm not going to be there. Because if not, Paul, you're right. You're, you're screwing yourself at that point. Yeah, well, if he winds up back, he's going to be kicking himself. That they, If they were talking to some free agent wide receiver that decided to go somewhere else because of what he told them, it would be awfully foolish. Well, they, so they, they did draft Amari Rogers. In the third round. They, they have that. I'm, I'm trying to think about their other halls in free agency. Uh, They're not very active. They re-sign Kevin Long. They they re-sign Mercedes Lewis. They signed an offensive lineman. They re-signed the running back. And the running back. Their own guys. They re-signed people. They didn't bring in any outside talent. They don't very often. I mean, they've broken from that a few times. But the saga continues. It's crazy. See, I hear this, and I think this is people on the inside now taking information and putting it back on Rodgers, whereas the w- news of the weekend came directly from the Rodgers camp. Yeah. The uh, game is yeah, the game's on. fully on. <laughs> the spitwad contest back and forth in home room <laughs> is going to continue between both sides now, airing dirty laundry. And like I said yesterday, there's no principle in this room with no None. owner to settle things and call them to the office. Uh, Paul, we'll... We see someone throw at the Astros tonight. I doubt. On behalf of the Yankees. On I behalf doubt. of America. I know On behalf of Major League Baseball fans. Will someone other than Joe Kelly have the stones to throw at an Astro? I, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I think not. That is extremely disappointing. They're taking the, we're going to beat you on the field approach. 
in this. I think they do. I, I said it before. I, I hope they do both. I hope they beat them on the field and they plunk someone to start the game. You know, it's like the it's like the prize fight where you show up, you you pay your fifty five dollars, whatever the pay per view is. You know, I mean, this is going to be a great fight. I just can't wait to watch this. And you know, I think by the end of the first inning, it was two to one. Last night, very normal game. We're seeing the long ball, we're not. You know, we're seeing the booze, but you know, that's it. I and, and you're left going. I, I came for blood and. We saw a, a five-round decision. But we saw the angry woman. I was woman. entertained. We saw the angry woman fan. I think that's what I'm always going to remember about that game, so I don't feel cheated because she was there. I At think least you're changing the blow-up of the garbage can. I enjoyed that a lot, too. I like the angry one. I like the, the I like gif of the angry woman Yankees fan more than anything. I like them both. Do Another, we think she's there tonight? She seems like how someone's only getting one ticket. <laughs> I think if you're the there family. last night, you're pretty rich. Yeah. I don't want to typecast here, but she seems like the one who's only going to be there one night. I don't know. I think. I mean, her hangover is pretty bad. Hunting. You know, I think the season ticket she's sitting I in? think she's holding the season ticket holder hostage. She's demanding <laughs> that she's going or I the think, secret's going to be out. I think, the, <laughs> I, I think the hangover is pretty long. Poor last. guy out there has got some, she's got some secrets on. Is like, you're going to give me that corporate box again. <laughs> Or these text messages will be released. I'm not saying she's hungover. I'm saying she had a big headache today. She was dehydrated. I she think was, that was very sleepy state. and clammy. I don't even think that was uh, any type of substance induced. I think that's her natural oh, I state. Think it was, I think it's her natural state, but there was some substance involved as well. She was drinking $16 wines last night. <laughs> like cans of wine. Hit us up on uh, Twitter. At Outkick 360, Cinco de Mayo. Uh, oh, we don't, we another don't say big one. may the fourth be with we you, but we will say happy Cinco de Mayo. And may the margaritas be flowing tonight. Yeah, stay tuned for Nashville Radio. But, uh, tell us your favorite <laughs> things about Mexico. Later on the show, we'll have a poll question of who's your favorite cartel to celebrate Cinco de Mayo. Yeah, at least that would be somewhat sophisticated. Very disappointed that we didn't have Paul wear a Sinaloa I'm a Sinaloa guy. I don't know about you all. I, I would have the one where you break it off and you scoop the, the Homer Simpson one. You break off part of the nacho hat and you scoop the salsa out. Favorite non-traditional margarita coming up on tomorrow's show. I go watermelon. Bang, bang. Polisic not in the starting lineup. Chelsea's winning. This afternoon it's going to be huge. He's coming off the bench. Don't block the box. Do lock the locks. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.